This is the AC Report. Well, it blew up a chicken man in Philly last night. And it blew up his house, too. Down on the boardwalk, they're ready for a fight. Gonna see what them racket boys can do. Now there's trouble bussing in from out of state And the DA can't get no relief Gonna be a rumble on the promenade And the gambling commissioner's hanging on by the skin of his teeth Everything dies, baby, that's a fact But maybe everything that dies someday he comes back Put your makeup on, fish your hair up pretty, and meet me tonight in Atlantic City. That's right. Once again, it is time for our weekly look at one of the most interesting communities in the entire world. Atlantic City, New Jersey, Monopoly City, a city which for the last 50 years or so has had its fortunes inexorably tied to the fortunes of its casinos. Some of the county's biggest employers and the thing that's really since the 1970s come to define Atlantic City. Now, occasionally when we do these segments and we've talked to everybody, we've talked to representatives from the casino industry. We've talked to politicians. We've talked to local business owners. We've talked to local journalists. And occasionally, I've been accused of trying to paint too rosy a picture of what's going on in Atlantic City. I don't think that's accurate, but whatever. Critics be critics. And uh, occasionally, I've been saying, I've been called uh, a cheerleader for the various businesses in Atlantic City, including the casino industry. Well, what do you do if the interests of the casino industry and the casinos don't necessarily jive with the interests of Atlantic City as a whole. Well, you're about to find out because I just read an article, which is one of the most fantastic pieces of journalism I've read ever. And in a few short pages, is able to explain clearly in ways that even a layman like me can understand exactly what's happening with the finances and the economy of Atlantic City. But it also is a textbook example of what may be wrong with some aspects of New Jersey government as a whole. Uh, that's why I am very, very pleased to welcome Allison Bordeaux. She is the she's a local reporting fellow with uh, ProPublica's local reporting network, and uh, she's also uh, with the Press of Atlantic City. Allison, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Yeah, thanks, Frank, for having me. Uh, so before we get into the substance of your article on the Atlantic City casinos and their tax burden, explain to me this partnership with ProPublica and the press of Atlantic City. I'm a big believer in local journalism, and I think a lot of our listeners, whether on the left or on the right or non-political, they shake their heads uh, at the demise and the decline in local journalism in a lot of small and mid-sized cities. What exactly is this partnership and how does it work? Uh, so the partnership um, is uh, funded by ProPublica. It allows for the Press of Atlantic City, which, um, as you referenced, is a uh, local newsroom that's undergone some um, financial difficulties, um, like most of the industry in recent years. It allows this uh, local newspaper to have an investigative reporter on the ground in Atlantic City. 
It's uh, really terrific. I wish every city uh, had a newspaper that had uh, this sort of investigative journalism. Now, uh, the the first line in um, A Christmas Carol is Marley was dead to begin with. And you have to understand this before you ex- understand anything that happens in the book. I think for our listeners to understand exactly what's happening in Atlantic City right now, they need to understand what the pilot program is. W- can you explain to folks who might be hearing this term for the first time or may have heard the term but not necessarily understood what it is, what exactly is the pilot program and what's the rationale behind the pilot program? Sure, great question. So pilot stands for payment in lieu of taxes, and it's a uh, program that you would see in other municipalities around New Jersey as well as you know other places around the country. Um, it's uh, in Atlantic City specifically referencing the casino's payment in lieu of property taxes. So um, at least for um, Atlantic City, this came about um, following a particularly financially tumultuous time for both the casino industry and uh, the city itself. Um, coming off of casino expansion in neighboring states starting in 2006-07, um, you know, the financial crisis the whole nation went through in 2008, and then um, Sandy down here in New, Jer- in New Jersey, um, all of these financial events um, hit, at, and subsequently uh, four casinos ended up closing in a very short t- period of time. Um, and uh, so it became a very uh, difficult financial situation for Atlantic City itself as um, casinos having their uh, property values drop. Um, through successful challenges within the court system. So sort of all of those financial events that I ticked off, um, it, it hurt the gaming properties. So while they were on a regular property tax system, they started to um, challenge their uh, bills with the uh, tax courts and successfully winning those challenges. That led to Atlantic City having to issue millions of dollars in refunds, putting it in a ton of debt. So it's a lot of backstory, but eventually we get to 2016 when uh, lawmakers passed a bill putting casinos on a payment in lieu of property tax program known as pilot here. So it's sort of win-win in that if the casinos aren't doing well, they don't necessarily have to pay as much as they would in property taxes. And uh, the city doesn't have to spend a lot of time in lengthy and costly court hearings fighting with the casinos over what they should pay. That it sounds like the gist of it, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly right, uh, Frank. And um, by agreeing to the Pilot Act, the casinos agreed that they would no longer challenge these taxes in court. Um, so it provided a bit of predictability for both the industry and the municipality. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about what happened with the pandemic. Uh, New Jersey casinos, Atlantic City casinos were closed for a long time as a result of the the shutdown. Uh, and I guess it stands to reason that there'd be less casino revenue coming in with all these casinos cl- uh, closed. What exactly did the closure during the pandemic mean for Atlantic City casinos? And what did the legislature do with respect to the pilot program and the money that the casinos needed to pay to Atlantic City? Right. So um, 
Atlantic City's uh, casinos were closed, like a lot of uh, entertainment venues around the state and the country, for several months during uh, 2020. They started to reopen in 2020 and had capacity limits for some time. So in that first year of the pandemic, it was a rough year for casinos. Um, the one sort of positive for them was they started to see a slight uh, uptick in um, sports wagering revenue uh, bets being made online, and then also uh, a strong increase in internet um, bets just on any old casino game. So um, that started in 2020, and then in 2021, as those capacity limits um, got uh, lessened and eventually removed altogether, we started to see in-person gaming come back as well. Um, but more to the point, um, as opposed to talking about revenues, if you look at the gross operating profits of the casinos, 2020 was a tough year, but 2021 was uh, their highest, the industry's highest annual profit since 2010. So um, it it was a redistribution of revenue and where people were making their bets, but um, the profits for the casinos um, are back to where we saw them more than 10 years ago. So the casinos in Atlantic City, just to be clear, in 2021 had their most profitable year in the last decade. That's uh, uh, including the pandemic years, including the pre-pandemic years. They did better in 2021 than they did in a decade. So I guess it would stand to reason they'd be expected to pay more in taxes than they had in, in the past decade. Did that happen? So there, uh, the tax bill that they would pay for pilot this year, um, so just talking about that, that pilot bill, which, is, which provides revenue for Atlantic City, its school district, and the, and the county. And um, as far as uh, taxation on casinos goes, the vast majority of uh, those revenues goes to the state, not the local uh, municipalities. So um, this year, because of the change in the pilot uh, act that happened in late December uh, last year, casinos will pay $110 million in pilot. And that's the lowest amount of pilot since the program began. So the program began in 2017 with a set amount of $120 million. And it's been more than that every year since until uh, lawmakers made this change to the Pilot Act uh, halfway through the program. So w w that's pretty wild. What exactly did the legislature do differently? And uh, what did the casinos claim about how they were doing financially in 2021? So I'm going to take that second question first. So Starting in um, November, we saw uh, reports from the Division of Gaming Enforcement that showed that casinos were um, year-to-date for the first three quarters of 2021 exceed, uh, exceeding their pre-pandemic level. So gross operating profits were better than in 2019. So then at the same time, they were telling lawmakers that they were potentially in grave danger due to the pandemic. Um, so that was sort of the narrative coming from the casinos. And then uh, what the pilot, what the change um, made to the pilot law late last year, there were two key changes. So the pilot law for the industry ties its payment to the industry-wide gross gaming revenue. So um, if they make, you know, a certain amount of money in gross gaming revenue, that would mean their pilot would be X dollar amount. So it lowered that base amount. Um, which is key because it was as high as 165 million in the original bill. That's been lowered to um, 
120 million at, at its maximum. So that's one thing. And then setting, setting that part aside, um, the other key change is there were gross gaming revenue was one of the factors to use to determine how much a casino would pay for its uh, individual portion of that pilot amount. Well, historically, gross gaming revenue in that formula included all types of bets made, whether that was a sports bet, an internet bet, or somebody playing the slots within the casino or table game. Um, this bill changed that and excluded any bets made, whether on sports or casino games, that were made online. Any online revenue was now excluded from the, um, from the formula. So it significantly lowers um, that factor for each casino. So uh, this is uh, pretty wild, and I know when we talk about hundreds of millions of dollars, sometimes listeners' eyes glaze over. But in a nutshell, uh, it seems like the casinos paid $55 million less, thereabouts, in in revenue under this pilot program to Atlantic City than they should have. I, I mean, is, is that is that accurate based on your looking at the data? So – uh, what my reporting shows is that if the uh, Pilot Act was not amended, the casinos would have paid $55 million more in pilot, and that $55 million was dispersed among the city, the school district, and uh, the county. The city would have received 40, about $41 million of that. So and since the law has changed, sorry. the city – since the law changed late last year, the city – effectively is receiving $41 million less than if the law had never um, changed from its original version. If people just tuning in, we're talking with Allison Birdo. She's a local reporting network fellow with ProPublica and uh, did this terrific article that uh, you can read in the press of Atlantic City and ProPublica. I've linked to it on my Facebook page. You can give it a read right now at Facebook pay, uh, facebook.com slash Morano fan. Um, by the way, uh, I know you mentioned sports wagering and that how that was sort of a lifeline to the Atlantic City casinos. What do um, what did online revenue and online gaming revenue mean for the Atlantic City casinos? Was that a significant revenue generator for them as well? So um, online revenue for uh, casinos last year uh, surpassed um, $1 billion. Um, so when the casino industry as a whole brought in uh, $4.2 billion in gaming revenue, um, it's, pr it's pretty significant. It's, you know, a little bit, they took in, it was a little bit more than a quarter. Wow. Uh, now, Atlantic City is not exactly flush with cash. As you report in your article here, Atlantic City has been in a position, even though they're dealing with uh, poverty, even though they're dealing with crime like a lot of other cities are, they've been forced to cut back on a lot of key programs, including making cuts to their police force. Uh, Atlantic City is not exactly flush with cash, are they? So uh, Atlantic City has a balanced budget, um, but I, I think that the the idea here is that um, casinos, when they were first uh, legalized in New Jersey back in the 70s, um, there was a, a promise from lawmakers that this was um, an industry that would be um, a unique tool for urban redevelopment in Atlantic City. And 
when you look at some of the metrics that um, continue to describe Atlantic City's population, um, like its poverty rate, its unemployment rate, um, these things uh, don't necessarily show a um, revitalized urban center. Uh, I guess the most jarring aspect of this, and there are several elected officials quoted in your piece, the county executive, Denny Levinson, city councilman, Jesse Kurtz, who, you know, everybody I think knows is a friend of mine, uh, as several of the other state legislators, is that it seems like the fortunes were misrepresented by the casinos to the state legislature. It seems like the casinos were crying poverty at a time when they were doing better than they had in a long time. Do we know if the casinos were mistaken in their representation or did they intentionally deceive the legislators and the public? Uh, you know, that's a tough question. I, I can't necessarily um, say that this was uh, intentional. I can say that um, former gaming re- regulator um, and a current um, consultant to the gaming industry told me that um, claiming that jobs will be lost or casinos could close is a common negotiating tactic for the industry. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, that's something that you might see in other industries as well. Mm. And I guess that's always the argument about whether corporate welfare, right? So-called corporate welfare is that, uh, and we had this discussion in New York recently as it relates to the Buffalo Bills, but we frequently have it with respect to sports stadiums and other large industries, even hospitals and other things that um, the, you have to give them a sweetheart deal for lack of a better discussion. Otherwise it's going to cause all these jobs to leave town. Um, Steve Sweeney, the former president of the state Senate who was defeated for reelection, he says uh, casinos would have closed, but the, the other industry analysts, including the former head of the CRDA that you spoke with, he says that's not true. Yes, that's, that's, that's correct. So, um, the former Senate president um, stood by his uh, position that if the law had not changed, as many as four casinos could close um, solely from the increase in this tax obligation. Uh, the gaming analysts and uh, former regulars that I sp- spoke to disagreed with that. Um, they did caution that, um, you know, resorts was not in a um, the best financial position. So that was one that may um, have some cause for concern, but the rest they had, um, you know, had expressed no concerns about. Um, and, you know, to be fair, Bally's is reporting, um, you know, negative uh, on, on the negative side for gross operating profits um, in the last uh, year or so. Um, that property was just recently acquired by that company. And, uh, you know, those corporate executives say on its earning calls to its shareholders that it's expecting that property to lose money. Um, mm. uh, be, and it'll be po- they're expecting it to be positive uh, in 2023. Aside from Senator Sweeney, um, what are other state lawmakers saying, uh, Democrat and Republican, that represent the area and that are leaders in the state legislature in general? Are, are they proud of this situation where where they redid the formula for the pilot law to allow the casinos to pay less than they would have? Or is there some regret here? Uh, you know, I can't really say if they're um, proud or not. I, I will say that um, 
the representatives for District 2, which includes most of Atlantic County um, and it includes Atlantic City, uh, those are Senator Palestina um, and uh, former Assemblyman um, Armado and Mazio, and then the current Assemblyman uh, Guardian and Assemblywoman uh, Swift, that all of them oppose the legislation. So, um, and the three that were in office last year voted against it. And, and is this a bipartisan, the bipartisan opposition to the legislation, Democrat and Republican? It's not as if Democrats are all for this and Republicans are against it or vice versa? Aside from um, Assemblyman Armado and Assemblyman uh, Mazio, who are both Democrats that voted against the bill, there were um, a few others. Um, sort of uh, one that comes to mind is um, in a North Jersey representative, um, Ben Gopal, who is often outspoken about uh, corporate welfare. Oh, talking with Allison Berto, she's a local reporting network fellow with ProPublica and has done this great piece in partnership with the uh, Press of Atlantic City on the changes that were made to the pilot law uh, in Atlantic City and resulted uh, based on my reading of the data in this article, in the casinos paying finance, substantially less than they would have had the formula remain uh, unchanged. And uh, Allison, I appreciate in the era in which we live in where you have um, media personalities trying to find the most hyperbolic talking points they can, you trying to go you know, uh, out of your way to be as fair as possible to everybody, seeking comment from Senator Sweeney and from the casino industry um, Governor Murphy, he was on board with this change to the uh, pilot program as as well, right? As far as I know, yes. Um, he signed the bill into law within um, you know 24 hours of the uh, it getting passed by both houses in Trenton. Um, he, I, as you may remember, um, it was an odd time to see comment from Governor Murphy um, due to the COVID pandemic. There were COVID mm. briefings where only a, a handful of reporters were able to um, participate in those. And, you know, they did a great job um, in asking questions sort of on behalf of the rest of New Jersey. And um, there was, uh, you know, just ahead of this bill becoming law, he was asked if um, for his opinion on it. And he told reporters that it was all good by him. So we, we discussed the substantial online gaming revenues that these casinos have taken in. Senator Sweeney actually moved to exempt online gaming revenues from the pilot formula. What was the possible rationale for sponsoring legislation to exempt all online gaming revenue from the pilot formula? So uh, the way that uh, casinos tell it is that um, – the contracts that they have with third-party companies that are often tech companies or some sort of digital platform, um, those contracts, uh, you know, aren't really set up in the casino's favor. And uh, another point that they make is the majority of the revenue is coming through third-party platforms. So um, in addition to um, a casino license holder having its own branded platform like a BetMGM or in Caesar's case now, William Hill, um, it can also um, have partnerships with other companies that uh, have a URL as well that where people take bets. So they um, argued that their partners were, having, um, were bringing in more of the revenue than their own platforms.
I see. Now, I, I guess the if you look at the quotes from people like Senator Palestina, from Councilman Kurtz in your article, uh, from uh, County Executive Dennis Levinson, from the former head of the CRDA, it looks to me like the uh, casino misrepresented how well they were doing financially, and they got a, a sweetheart deal from politicians because of it. And, you know, I, I guess my big question, and this is more of a rhetorical question than one that can be answered based on your data and, record, and reporting, but you're welcome to try, is how did the casinos get away with this? I think that's uh, the, yeah, I think that's a great rhetorical question. I think that um, it's something that um, taxpayers in Atlantic City should put towards their lawmakers. Um, a lot of the questions that I was asking of the casinos, of the regulators, of Wall Street analysts, were was all information that was available to lawmakers and, um, you know, possibly easier for them to get since they are a lawmaker instead of a journalist fi- filing uh, public records requests. So, um, you know, I, I think it's up to the public to hold lawmakers accountable to uh, their actions. I could talk with you about this all day, but you've already been so generous with your time. Uh, Three final things that I just have to ask you about before uh, we let you go. One, what can be done about this next year in in order to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Obviously, Senator Sweeney is no longer there, who was very close to the casino industry, and he is not in as influential a position as he was, certainly. But beyond hoping that the legislature acts in a more enlightened way next year. Is there anything can, that can be done next year to make sure this doesn't happen again? So I think one thing that um, will determine whether something will happen next year, whatever that may be, is the outcome of a lawsuit um, that the county made against the state of New Jersey um, to prevent them from implementing this new pilot law. Um, mm. So the lower court has already decided Atlantic County's favor, but the um, state has you know, made it clear that it will continue to appeal uh, this decision. So, um, you know, I think we will be able to have a better sense of what next steps are once that case is completely resolved. You write that they, in 1984, there was already some concern that the money from the casinos wasn't necessarily flowing to the residents of Atlantic City that needed it. So they created something called the Investment Alternative Tax, or IAT, uh, to ensure that the industry invested in Atlantic City. Uh, The current situation notwithstanding, how has that served the residents of Atlantic City? Have we seen the casino money getting to folks that need it? So um, there's actually been a lot of uh, reporting on um, how the investment alternative tax revenues have been spent um, by my colleagues in the past. So um, we know that some of that money was spent in Atlantic City to fund key projects like the walk and outlet mall, um, a, uh, the tunnel, the Brigantine tunnel, um, you know, but it, we also are aware of, um, you know, accusations of that money being spent sort of um, just to the benefit of the casinos um, as it was used to help fund um, Harris Conference Center. Uh, that money over the years had also been spent in other municipalities around New- North Jersey, sort of famously it helped to fund a Yoga Berra Museum. Um, in North Jersey. Um, so actually part of this situation now um, is much of that IAT money is dedicated to um, 
paying either Atlantic City's debt um, or as part of this new act, uh, we'll see some more funding going to Atlantic City's general fund for and for other projects around the city. Well, it's a masterful piece of uh, reporting. I'll just end with this. And um, I, again, I appreciate you being so generous with your time. But the issue of the state takeover Atlantic C- of Atlantic City was something that was opposed by both Democrat and Republican lawmakers within um, Atlantic City. And it was something that was supported by both Democrat and Republican lawmakers in Trenton. If the state takeover hadn't happened and Atlantic City still had control of its, you know, of its finances and of its fortune, would this situation still have unfolded the way in which it did? Would it still have been the state legislature that got to make the final call about changing the pilot formula? So one of the things to keep in mind is that the state is uh, the government that legalized gambling in New Jersey. So while there are some local uh, regulations around casinos, the vast majority of them come from the state. So um, I'm not sure I'm answering your question directly, but um, the, the, the situation, it's hard to take to know if the situation would have panned out the way it did because the state takeover was, directly linked to pilot going out. So that was, uh, you know, written into the legislation that both of those things had to happen. Understood. Um, so I'm, so um, it may, but um, yeah, I just appreciate you taking the time to go over what has been a very, um, you know, com- uh, complicated tax bill that um, has a lot of uh, meaning for Atlantic City. Right. So the pilot and the state takeover sort of went hand in hand. It's not as if you'd necessarily have the pilot without the state takeover and uh, vice versa. So I, I appreciate you uh, clarifying that as well. And uh, this seems to be one of those rare issues where you see progressives uh, like the Working Families Party and other left-leaning watchdogs on the same side as conservative Republican politicians like uh, Jesse Kurtz and, and Denny Levinson. Uh, Allison, thanks for your great work on this. And And uh, I can't wait to read whatever you do next. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. Allison Berto, if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. In my view, uh, this is pretty outrageous, what happened here. Uh, This is the worst type of Trenton insider politics, and uh, this is uh, an industry which uh, clearly has way too much influence with the folks that were regulating it. That's just my view, but uh, read the article, decide for yourself. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.